HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by the International Culinary Center, offering courses that range from classic French techniques in culinary, pastry, and bread baking to Italian studies to management, from culinary technology to food writing, from cake making to wine tasting. For more information, visit culinarycenter.com. This is Mike Edison, host of Art Senses of Seizures. You're listening to the Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, please visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The devil the rhythm and blues that's him. It's gonna get you some in the end. Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm your host, David Bolte. Uh, I just want to say a quick thank you to uh, everyone in San Francisco. Uh, over the weekend, I got to go to ABV on Monday and do a guest spot. I want to thank everyone for coming out for that. That was really a lot of fun. And especially thanks to Ryan Fitzgerald and the crew. Uh, and uh, everyone I got to see at the Fancy Food Show out there this week, too. That was really cool. Um, first time to go to that, so... Thanks for having me out there. Very cool. Um, I can't say the weather was a nice break from from New York. It was raining and cold the entire time, but still good to get away. Um, but back here in Brooklyn, New York, uh, I'm really happy to have back on the show, actually almost three years to the date, uh, I had this guest on, and... She just started up her own rum distillery, and since then, she's really been blowing up, and you can find her rum, which is called Oni's Original New York City Rum, uh, in a lot of places, and there's reasons for that, because she's an awesome person making awesome rum. So welcome back to the show after three years, Bridget Fertile of The Noble Experiment. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's nice to have you back. Um, you've been you've been extremely busy, uh, and uh, I remember I remember when when I had you on the show last time three years ago. It was really awesome because you were like, I just I just really wanted to get out of working and working on like Wall Street and stuff and like uh, and start making booze. You know, like. I, I I didn't realize that it was going to be like this. Like, like, like I was going to meet like all these people, and it was going to be this whole like 
thing, you know? And it was, uh, I thought that was really sweet. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's been an adventure, to say the least. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's really been cool to watch the watch your, your company grow and watch you grow, too, because, like, uh, I remember then also you were you were asking me, like, after the show, you're like, so what do you, what should I do? You're like, <laughs> how, how do I get I still want to know what I should do. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was uh, it was really sweet and uh, and good time hanging out with you uh, then and, and ever since then when we get to see each other. So so tell me, um, I mean the the distillery has grown so much. Yeah, since so then. I think you know that was probably four maybe five months into sales. So we're about three years and three months into sales now. Um, I was. A one-man band at the time. Yeah. Um, now I've got a small team, which is awesome and exciting. And I am no longer selling the rum out of the trunk of my car, oh, which is good. which is cool. Uh, yeah, we've we've grown nicely here in our home market of New York. And last year we just started um, distributing in new states, so mm-hmm. we're in about ten states now, and we're available in the UK and a little uh, small distribution in uh, Norway as well. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So that's so when you when you started having uh well, I mean did you have to like do you upgrade from a car to like a van like yeah. a personal van to <laughs> deliver it and then when you got to the point where you couldn't fill that up uh, yeah. and where you went to full distribution At some point I was like this is really a silly idea to keep doing this uh, I was tr- I was making the rum and selling it and sitting in traffic in New York and then trying to collect checks from the various people I had sold uh, the rum too. And, um, at the time I said, you know, it's gotta be an easier way. So, uh, I had decided at the time to sort of start a relationship with a smaller distributor. So not one of the big guys right away. And, um, it, it was nice for, for uh, at that time and sell, you know, one large sum of rum to a distributor and then they Make sure it gets where it's going, and they like one check instead of running around trying to get everyone's <sighs> checks. Yeah, yeah, I, I couldn't handle that. Uh, there is a price to pay for that, obviously, but you know it's worth it. I think, or at least you know there's well, some benefit to it. The, the cost of convenience for you <laughs> it, and your sanity too. I exactly. Would, I would think. Exactly. Um, so you started expanding on the the distillery and I remember you were saying like the the goal was to have like a, a tasting room and to, like have a bar in there and you've you've gotten to that point now yeah. too like outside of just the the marketing and sales and I mean there's always gonna be more of that to be done of course you know yes um, but now like now you've got this this great like facility where you can have people come in for tours and tastings and yeah and it's it looks really cool i haven't yeah. actually been in since you've had that put together yeah but. yeah it's uh it's been a whole you know another uh arm or appendage of the business which has been interesting uh we opened what we refer to internally anyway as the dac shack um in august of last year and that was basically due to a law that changed here in new york that allowed us to have the ability to actually open um so yeah we've been hosting people private events and tours on the weekends we've got some really fun bartenders working behind the bar there and the whole you know premise of it is the daiquiri hence the name dak shack so 
It's awesome. Yeah. I mean, well, we're going to talk about that in a second, for sure. Um, Because the daiquiris actually, after so many years, it's finally starting to see its, its, like, true come up. Yeah. (laughs) But, I mean, like, the... uh, but the idea of having a tasting room bar in a distillery now is such a huge thing. And like you said, it's just a recent thing that passed where you can actually do it. And even, you know, like places like like Three's Brewing, you know, they've got a huge yeah. selection of spirits. And of course, like the Shanty was like the first yep. one to really yep. get to do it. Um, so do you think that that like, how do you think that that is like shifting the the idea of like, the distillery and the craft distillery. Do you think it's like, do you think that it's something that is like, I guess what I'm trying to say is, do you think it, 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 I mean, I know it's a draw, but do you think it's something that when you're already at a small scale, adds a lot of headache and like more stress of something you've got to take care of as well? Uh, probably shouldn't admit this, but yes, <laughs> it's uh, I mean, we're a, just, lot, we're just a lot more, here. you know, I, now you're as I said, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I started out with a manufacturing business and a sales and marketing business, and now I just added a retail bar operation to it. <laughs> um, so there's been a lot of learning for, with that, need, you know, needless to say, um, so, but I think that really where our niche is, is like, no, we're not a typical bar. Right. Um, it, it, we are somewhere along the spectrum of bar, event space, distillery. Um, and, you know, since kind of day one, one of my biggest kind of goals for the brand or what I'm a proponent for is education. So mm-hmm. if we can get more people in there learning about our brand through the, you know, educational tour and then they enjoy a couple of cocktails after that's great because it helps pay the rent yeah um is it so the way i understand it, and correct me if i'm wrong um the reason why you're able to do this or the only the way that you can do it is it has to be connected to the same building correct or like because because of the three-tier system or did something change in the three-tier system <laughs> It's like, not, there's not, there's no easy answer okay, uh, to that it question. It does seem very... Yeah. Like, the, so initially when I got my distillery license in 2012, you could not do this at all with my license. Subsequently, the governor has changed, you know, written bills that amend a lot of the old laws. And at the end of last year, he passed something that was called the Craft Act. Uh, and that gave certain licenses even more abilities and other licenses the opportunity to get more abilities. So for our license, it gave us the opportunity to apply for a bar license. So we started doing that at the beginning of this year. And because it is a new law and because it is the government, it took about eight months for them to finally say, okay, um, you can do it. Whereas, you know, other local distilleries that have farm distillers licenses, um, which means basically they source uh, their ingredients for their spirits from new- that are grown in New York State. So a lot of the whiskeys that are made here, you know, um, are made from New York State grains. They automatically, they didn't need to apply for that license. But because we make rum and sugarcane isn't grown in New York and right. we get it from Florida and Louisiana, we have a different type of license. So. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but is there is there like for instance like what do you do you feature other spirits besides stuff that you produce uh we don't on a uh, day-to-day basis um but we can and we do for private events you know if you wanted to have your wedding there or something like that we would 
place a special order for whatever yeah. spirits you I want. I was just to. wondering because yeah. of like the different distilleries that have tasting rooms, some of them have uh, other spirits. Mm hmm. And a lot of times they support other yep. local yep. distilleries, yep. which is awesome. Yep. yep. Um, and I think that's just like, that's the way it should be. That's yeah. Totally cool. We do but, a locals night once a month where we have oh, cool. the menu of uh, other local products. So Nice. Yeah. Do you use like other local products that are like non, non-distilled products, you know, like different like food, like for instance, like maybe uh, a... a a turkey from Heritage Foods. Or yeah, I would love. <laughs> yeah, I would love that. And a lot of what we would like to do, you know, plans going forward is to do, you know, have more collaborations with local producers of every makers, local makers, for lack of a better term, and you know, have um, people in the space. Recently, we uh, collaborated with for a tour um, with City of Saints Coffee Roasters, which is two blocks away from the distillery, and Fine and Raw Chocolate, which is you know right around the corner here. Um, uh, on a tour and a tasting, and then we paired our rum with coffee and chocolate cocktails. So. I mean, that's that's just natural. Yeah, right? yeah they're, exactly. they're all buddies. Exactly, exactly. Um, we should do a Grand Army Oyster Rum Night. Oh yeah, at your bar. Hell at the yeah, I'd that love would be that. awesome. I would love that. <laughs> that would be awesome. I think that's cool. Uh, you know, that speaking of like what you were saying too, like there's a lot of. I have been noticing a lot of. Uh, uh, like tours, like I mean, like we, there's always been like you know, like when you go to, uh, like the Lower East Side, there's or not Lower East, Side, but like East Village, there's like, like a heavy concentration of cocktail bars. So it's just natural yes. that you would bounce around and make like a little mini cocktail tour out of them. But there's also been a lot of people who are like designing these uh, tours that involve like breweries, distilleries, restaurants, any kind of. Like crafting, like yeah. you kind of like pop around to that, and that's really cool. I think that's I, like what you're saying with the coffee roaster and the chocolate maker. I that's, think, yeah, I think that somebody, I think there's a huge opportunity if anyone out there is listening and he wants a business idea. Um, there's a huge opportunity to have a booze tour, whether it be breweries or distilleries. We're all like in manufacturing zones, and so not necessarily, I mean, we're two blocks away from a subway stop, but um, I think there would be an opportunity similar to like wine tours in, you know, out East in Long Island buses that go through all of the distilleries uh, every weekend. Party bus. Yeah. All the tourists that are in Manhattan too, coming out to Brooklyn and, and getting even the tourists now in Brooklyn. So yeah, absolutely. Hey, Bridget, let's take a quick break. Yeah. And when we get back, let's talk about, the the focus of the dag shack and let's talk about the daiquiri because yeah. it's like since the last time you're on the show even just three years ago it's been a crazy increase in popularity of this like once kind of botched classic so let's talk about that when we get back with Bridget Bird. cool This one's called Better Forget by Zuli. That's Z-U-L-I. We will be right back on The Speakeasy.
The International Culinary Center is a proud sponsor of the HeritageRadioNetwork.org. The ICC, with locations in New York and California, provide cutting-edge education to future chefs, restaurateurs, and wine professionals. We're proud to claim Dan Barber, Bobby Flay, and David Chang among our honored alumni. This is Dorothy Can Hamilton from Chef Story. Check out our ICC website at internationalculinarycenter.com. And we are back. You're listening to the Speakeasy, and I've got British Fertile of the Noble Experiment and Oni's Rum in the studio today after a three-year uh, <laughs> three-year break from the first time. <laughs> and uh, we were just catching up on the progress of the distillery and the tasting room, the Dak Shack. And uh, yeah, I mean, the daiquiri. For the longest time, it was... It was just the it was the misunderstood drink, mm-hmm. you know. It was red and it was blended, and it might not have even had lime juice in it. You know, it was <laughs> not the right. It, was, it wasn't a real daiquiri. <clears throat> and then, you know, bartenders started bringing back the popularity of the daiquiri. We we're just like, wait a minute, it's rum and lime and a little sugar, and it's the most perfect cocktail. Yeah. It really is the perfect cocktail. I, I mean, I agree. A Manhattan to me is like a perfect cocktail, but I mean, I, I think I think the daiquiri kind of trumps it because you can have a daiquiri year round. Like we're going to my bar after the show to make daiquiris yep. with Oni's rum. We're going to go to Grand Army, so if anyone wants to come by at five o'clock, we're going to start doing that. But like a Manhattan, I will definitely have in the winter time. Maybe not so much in the summertime. Yep. But I'll definitely have a daiquiri in the wintertime just as much as I will in the summertime. Me but, too. <laughs> yeah, it's perfect. So. It must have been very like fortuitous for for you as someone who produces the white rum to have yeah. this very iconic classic cocktail come back into the spotlight and just in the most hardcore way. Yeah, and it has. And after I had you know distilled and made made onis, um, and was obviously very excited and proud of it, and you know the flavor profile and everything, but we, we messed around for a while and still do, you know, on the best Oni's cocktail, right? Like how should people drink Oni's? Um, and just nothing has, nothing can compare to the way that, you know, it tastes in a daiquiri and a lot of our, you know, we kept, and we still do. And believe me, I drink other things, but, um, at all of our events, especially consumer facing things. Right. So we, you know, and the industry see this real interest in the daiquiri again, but most of the population does not know what a real daiquiri is. And it's like so exciting to introduce a like a real daiquiri to people because it's pretty simple to execute if you have limes and sugar at home. So we make them um, a lot at, at events and people are like, what is this? And changing that perception of the daiquiri person by person is, is super exciting. Obviously doesn't hurt at all that bartenders love daiquiris. And yeah, uh, I mean, anytime that someone would bring uh, uh, white rum to us to taste and like, you know, basically bring it to like trying to sell us on it, you know, that was yeah. the first thing that, well, you taste it on its own first because that's what you want to do. Yeah. But the real test is how it stands up in a daiquiri. Yeah. And that's, I mean, 
especially since you were doing all the sales in the beginning, did you? Uh, you must have encountered that like everywhere, right? Yeah, uh, it must the, have been shocking to you. You're like, what's the deal yeah. with the daiquiri? <laughs> I remember specifically like one, if not the first time I brought it, and I, you know, I came from Wall Street. I didn't have a net. You remember probably from last time, like. Yeah. Do you have any friends you can introduce me to? Because I don't know anyone from the industry. So I remember I was um, friendly with Michael Neff at, uh, he was at Ward 3 at the time because mm-hmm. I lived on Reed Street when I worked in on Wall Street. And I remember going in there and showing him Oni's for the first time. And um, they made a daiquiri with it right there. And then it started to happen over and over yeah. and over again. So I quickly realized that was going to be part of the trend. But, you know, we still work every day to get that to be a call for us. So, um, you know, Bacardi at one time spent so much money getting people to just drink rum and Coke, um, and, you know, especially white rum. So trying to reinvent the bar call, especially for cocktail bars, um, you know, why shouldn't a daiquiri be, you know, as, you know, ordered as frequently as a Manhattan or an old fashioned, you know, we believe it should. So yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it's gotten to the point where, especially in in you know, like the modern classic cocktail bars. You know, it's it's become uh, it has become that. But you know, like I said, you know, like you said too, it's like you know, we kind of live in this little bubble here in New York. So it's like it, it doesn't yeah. expand, but it should. It absolutely yeah. should. And there, I think there was like a Bacardi, like a really beautifully shot commercial. Uh, where they were talking about the daiquiri, but I don't think yeah. it was a, as effective as they expected. Yeah, it to be. I think in recent years, I'm ta- I think I was it the '60s or the '70s or whenever that was. Historically, they the developed the bar call as the rum and coke, and I think that now with the interest from the cocktail community in daiquiris, that you know everyone's trying to see where it fits. But every day, I have people coming, or not every day, but every weekend, we have people coming into the distillery. And introducing them to a daiquiri. And we have to kind of tell them what it is before we sell it to them. Because people are, a lot of people are afraid of the word. Because they, they have these misperceptions around exactly. it. Exactly. Something that's like, something that looks like a hurricane. Exactly. <laughs> Jack, did you have any hurricanes? You were just in New Orleans. I did not have a hurricane. Come on, dude. I know. <laughs> All right. I'm sorry. Get on computer and buy some flights. We're going We're back. going back? Yeah. I know you just got back at midnight, but... Yeah, I'm fine go. with that. Let's go. Let's do it. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's like the perception is like something that's kind of like a frozen like hurricane glass, something that's a strawberry daiquiri or... Yeah. I got to jump in one more time quickly because what I did have was something called Jean's Daiquiris. And as you know, like... What they call a daiquiri in New Orleans is uh, <laughs> is a Seven Eleven Slurpee with a free pour of the shittiest booze that they have, dude. About that's, halfway up the cup, yeah, like a forty four ounce styrofoam, oh, yeah. and then you walk around the quarter that's, getting wasted. Yeah, I did have one of those. Just just to say, I did. I didn't finish it though. Well, good for you, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that's exactly the stigma. You know, it's uh this weird frozen thing that's like super sugary and fruity. I mean, I I would almost not tell someone the name of it. I would call. I, I joke yeah. around. Sometimes I'll go to. A, a, I do this with like my buddies who work at like cocktail bars. I'll go in and I'll order a, a rum gimlet, <laughs> which is a daiquiri, yeah. and uh, and that started becoming like an inside joke with us. But it was like, you know what? Actually, you kind of have to tell people that are new to it mm-hmm. that have that that 
old uh, perception of what the, the word is, you know, this is a rum gimlet. Like, yeah. oh, okay, cool. I like gin gimlets, vodka gimlets. I'll try this. Yeah. And you're like, that's a daiquiri. Yeah. yeah. That's actually what that is. Yeah. Well, you get the immediate, especially because Oni's is very uh, pretty dry. There's no sugar added back to it, but you get the now becoming famous term that you as a bartender and the rest of the bartenders that might be listening know a lot better than I do, but something not too sweet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that's the first thing. Oh, I don't like anything sweet. Well, our daiquiri is really not sweet. It's pretty boozy. There's a little bit of sugar and some lime juice in it, right? Yeah. It's not... Arguably, an old-fashioned is a lot sweeter than... Sure. <laughs> ...than our daiquiri. Totally. What's your... Uh, do you have a favorite daiquiri spec? Uh, our house spec at the Dak Shack is two ounces of Oni's, three quarters of an ounce of lime juice, and half an ounce of cane syrup, two to one cane syrup. Cool. That's a good one. Yeah. Like, like I think that like in the in the summer, I like a little bit juicier, but then yep. like in the winter, like now, I would want like three quarters of an ounce. Yep. And uh, my buddy Thomas, Thomas Wall, uh, he... And Brian Miller, who works at uh, uh, yeah. the Dak Shack, they turned me on to the idea of like pouring in like fresh lime juice, but dropping it by a quarter and then squeezing a lime wedge in for the extra quarter, but keep like throwing the lime wedge in the shaker. Yeah, he does that at the yeah. The so you get the pulp and the pith and the skin and the oil and everything. So it's like it creates this crazy like huge round mouthfeel and. Uh, so I started doing that with everything, like anything that has citrus in it. I, you know, like whiskey sour, it gets a wedge in it. Uh, gimlets, you know, margaritas gets a, they get a wedge thrown in awesome. the shaker, and it's like uh, it changes the drink for yeah. like so much for the it elevates it to another level. And uh, I don't know it's really it's really cool to like to see the way that it's not just like this this rum lime and sugar combination. Everyone kind of has their own way of doing it, and it's such a such an open, you know. It's like really, the palette is just like it's like a blank canvas, you know. It like you can kind of mess with it, and it it's like one of these like very like simple platforms, and it kind of lends itself to experimentation. Totally. Did, did you ever think about having like an Oni's Rum uh, daiquiri competition? Ah, uh, I. No, but we should. <laughs> hold it at the deck we, shack? Yes, we've definitely. I mean, we spent a lot of time deciding on that that spec that we have at the deck mm-hmm. shack, and it, it, just to your point, it's so important. Like, and it, it changes so it changes it so much. For example, at some of the consumer events, we'll pour daiquiris at that are consumer facing. People aren't, you know, as used to tasting spirits. We'll pair back the ratio of rum because. They will think it's very strong. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it's an interesting dynamic. But we should have this daiquiri competition at the Dak Shack. I like yes. that idea a lot. We'll get Heritage Radio involved with it. Yeah. And, and Jack and I will come in and be the commentators. Yes. That would be so <laughs> awesome. I would love that. Live commentator. That'd be so – dude, that's like – that's a goal, man. Yeah. We'll call it like a tennis match, you know? <laughs> yeah. Totally, man. Um Oh man, and use like actually limes. We'll actually have a tennis match, but like use limes instead of tennis balls. That's, awesome. that's dangerous. With a light glass around, that'd be a great idea. Yeah. Um, no, that's okay. You know, we'll talk about that after the show. Yeah, we will. Um, yeah, I think it's really cool. It's such a cool time for rum. Like you really nailed it on timing with 
especially with like tiki drinks coming back into vogue and like in 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 very specific ingredients and like specific you know specifically having Brian Miller like yeah. on your team like he's very very like anal about his tiki drinks he's like the dude you know <laughs> um but uh it, you know and he's very specific about rums and and people who are into rums and people have been getting back into rum over the past like five plus years you know really in a big way um it's just a really cool time it's a really great time for rum and i think especially you know we we went through this thing about spirits going in like like for, for the uh cocktail renaissance and people actually getting more into spirits after like there was a big wine boom then like craft beer now people are really into spirits and it started with I think American Scotch and then American whiskey and mezcal in there. And now it's rum's turn, you know, but it doesn't mean that any one of those that come before it has gone out of vogue. It's just, everything is getting elevated at their times. And it's all just elevated to this beautiful level to where like, there's so much education exposure to it and just really great products. You know, It's, it's been really cool. Just as someone who sells this every day, pretty much, you know, it's, um, been really interesting. Even over the three plus years that I've been, you know, selling the product, the first almost two years, everybody was like, "Why don't you make a whiskey?" And now, for the past like year, year and a half, it's been cool to be a part of that because I, you know, obviously believed that was going to be what was, you know, part of what was going to happen. Not that there, just to your point, not that there is like a lack of interest in whiskey all of a sudden, yeah. but people are no longer like they're rum. not afraid of it you know they're not, yeah, they're not exactly it, there's like enough information out there to where you don't have to feel like feel stupid about like trying something that you don't know about you know totally. it's it's really easy to to understand now that there's so much exposure and education and enthusiasm about it so it's really it's really see it's the most exciting and easy time to get into this kind of stuff yeah and people are excited to to get you into it like yeah. you know preaching the gospel of rough yeah <laughs> well speaking of uh we uh well we just talked so much about daiquiris so i think it's time to go make some uh bridge and i are going to go to my bar now <laughs> and make some daiquiris so we're going to be there at five o'clock at grand army in downtown brooklyn borum hill it's 336 state street and you should definitely go by the oni's the noble experiment distillery it's out here in Bushwick. It's very close to here. It's just a couple blocks away. Um, it's a really beautiful space. Go by, have a daiquiri, have some rum, and say hi to Bridget. Yeah. And yeah, check it out, onis.com. All right, let's take off. All right. You coming with us, Jack? All right, cool. All right, we'll see you next week on the Speakeasy. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.